This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. We are coming to you on Friday, November 18th. And Brendan, we are in the midst of the offseason, and things are progressing rather slowly, if you are a Cubs fan. They are. They are. You know, this might be the two toughest weeks of the offseason. Once the winter meetings get here in early December, rumors start flying around. That's when the next few months are really kicking the gear. Yeah. So... We will uh, check in on the latest rumors, as always. The usual preface here, uh, as is with any you know baseball-related show in this time of year, um, things can get out of date very quickly. Um, I'm I'm constantly monitoring Twitter to see if anything is breaking while we're recording this. Um, but as we've stated before, uh, Luke, Cody, Ryan, Brendan, Jared, and I are ready and I frankly kind of chomping at the bit, Brendan, to get on and do an emergency podcast. Like I'm ready to go. So if you listen to any of our podcasts and something has happened since we recorded, we will rectify that, uh, rather quickly. I want to do two emergency pods a week. Like, let's just get it going. You know, let's do one on Monday, another signing on Thursday. Let's just, you know, knock them all out. Yeah. I mean, I am ready at two in the morning to talk about, you know, some well, sort of nonsense. Well, I don't know about that. Two in the morning is a little bit, you know, aggressive, some of but the, I'll do some it, Some of the moves, wasn't the first time that, like, Ken Rosenthal said that the Cubs were getting John Lester at, like, midnight in Chicago, wasn't it? I think it was pretty I late. Do, I, you know, I do remember that. Too. Yeah, I know exactly where I was. I was walking. When I was walking a dog. Announced. I remember that with my dad. <laughs> you yeah. were walking a dog. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was with my roommate, and he just screamed, "Cubs got Lester!" I'm like, "You're joking! Yeah. You're joking!" I couldn't believe it. Yeah. So I. It was, so that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, if that happened, we'd be on here at you know one in the morning on YouTube or whatever. Um, you know, we recorded that late before, so it wouldn't be that out of the norm, yeah. I guess. I think uh, yeah. the only variable, if it goes that late, like I, I know Cody's ready. I'm sure Ryan is ready. Luke probably asleep. If news no, he's uh, he's getting his uh, his REM sleep. Yeah. You know, his REM cycle, his fifth REM cycle of the night, probably. Yeah. So we'll we'll if something happens at three in the morning, we'll ch- we'll check in with Luke <laughs> the the following yeah, day. We will. I think. <laughs> um, so we'll check in on the off season rumors. Uh, I do want to talk. Um, about on Wednesday, uh, Luke, Cody, and Ryan had the opportunity to interview Tommy Hadovy, uh a, great a interview, really great way. interview. So if you have not heard that, I would direct you to that. You can check that out on YouTube if you would like to see Tommy Hadovy, uh or in any podcast feed where you get this podcast. Uh, check out that interview with Cubs pitching coach Tommy Hadovy. But I, I, I do want to piggyback off of that and, and talk to you, Brendan. Of course, I know you, you had some questions that were submitted and asked. Uh, um, yeah. Yes, and they were and, and I, so I, I, I want to talk about, about that, that and, and follow up yeah. with you and, and sort well, of just take talk about it. what good. we heard from Tommy and, and relate it back to a lot of what you have spent a lot of time talking about. Um, yeah, too much time. Yes, uh, a lot of time. Um, <laughs> so I want to talk about that. We'll talk about some of the rumors. Uh, but before we go any further, I, I do want to take a moment uh, to talk about some changes at CHGO and uh, some of the membership offerings that we have. Obviously, if you go to allchgo.com, we've talked about it a lot. 
Um, the content, of course, lives there, and you know you you sign up to become a member to access a lot of that content. And uh, on Thursday, a big day for CHGO, kind of changing the way uh, that the membership works and how it is all structured. And what is being introduced is called the diehard level uh, of membership. Um, And what comes along with that, uh, it is, like everything else at CHGO, organized around the three C's, culture, community, and content. So what you get when you sign up to become a diehard, a free CHGO shirt or hat upon sign up and every year after renewal, 20% off merchandise at the CHGO locker, exclusive merchandise for diehards only, a membership card and sticker pack, special diehards only offers from CHGO partners, all of our wonderful sponsors, part of the community. 20% off tailgates. I went to my first tailgate this past Sunday. It was a very nice time. Very cold in Chicago, uh, but a very nice time. Met a lot of wonderful people. Uh, A CHGO Diehards only Discord lounge, online Q&As and happy hours with CHGO staff members, exclusive to Diehard members. And then on the content side, Diehards only newsletters from CHGO beat writers, Uh, on the Bears and Bulls beats, and I'm sure that will continue for all of the other beats, mailbags for diehards only, and exclusive video and podcast content, and this is just the beginning. Um, So as as Brendan and I have said before, um, you know, we were very lucky to be approached and ultimately join the community that is CHGO, and to see what it has become, especially, you know, I'm at this tailgate on on Sunday with uh, Cody and Luke and and everybody else that was there uh, to see how many people came out and and were recognizing, especially the Bears crew. Obviously, they were they were there to see a Bears game. Just a, a really cool thing to be a part of. And I think this this diehard level that is being introduced is a really great way to become more entrenched in the community that we're building. And it's it's a great value. Um, you know, if you go to these events, there's going to be more events coming up. Um, with all the teams and it's it's going to provide a lot of great value and you know what part of what drew Brendan and I to CHGO is just how passionate everybody is about their respective teams and in a lot of cases all of the teams in the city of Chicago and the goal is to provide the the most in-depth and interesting and insightful and fun content and experience uh, around the teams that we all love. And I think that this uh, new Die Hard program is a really great way to do that. Um, so I would encourage you to check that out. If you're interested, head over to allchgo.com for more information. Uh, and yeah, hope to uh, have you guys check a lot of that out. It's it's an exciting time to be a part of CHGO, and Brendan and I, of course, uh, are very grateful you mm-hmm. for your guys' continued support um, of everything we're doing and everything CHGO is doing. And before we get back into the Cubs, I, I will uh, an, another segue for for something cool that is happening at CHGO. If you're listening to this on Friday morning, the CHGO Blackhawks crew has number 81 Marion Hosa in the house in studio on Friday. Uh, so if you're a Hawks fan, don't miss that episode. Um, I am currently back in Los Angeles, Brendan, uh, for the holidays. A little jealous of that one. That is a, a, a big, that is a big star in, in an office that I am allowed into. Um, and I am a little jealous to not be in the presence of, of someone as great as Marion Hosa. Well, maybe that's why they scheduled it because they knew you were not going to be there. Perhaps it's, it's, I mean, it's wise. Yeah. 
Um, so. so yeah, let's uh, let's talk about Tommy Hadavi, Brendan. Ah, oh, there it is. I've been so waiting for you to say I, that. I Corey. do. I, I do want to give you the floor. I feel like you should at least okay. address wh- why were you not <laughs> <laughs> on that interview. <laughs> they did it during the day. So unfortunately I have, you know, other work responsibilities. I, I did consider quitting my yeah, job just talk to talk to, yeah, you know, but, uh, I was informed that would be a stupid life decision. So I'm hoping maybe in the future, Tommy and I can chat, uh, on, on a separate podcast, but, uh, it was, it was funny, Corey, just, uh, hearing Luke introduce my question. Um, you know, Tommy laughed, he, he smirked, and I just felt, I felt good. He, it felt good that Tommy recognized my presence on this Tommy planet. Tommy stopped short of saying, oh, Brendan Miller, yeah, I'm familiar. You know? Of course that's what he did. <laughs> yeah, he really held back there, you can tell. I, he was waiting for Luke to ask that question, I like actually. to think that he, he is aware, <laughs> and uh, the only reason that he doesn't, you know, uh, allude to the fact that he's quite familiar yeah. with your work, Brendan, is then he would have to kind of admit that, you know, he's getting some information from you, you know? Yeah, I think that's what yeah. it is, you know. Um, oh. But I... I wanted to really give you the opportunity. I mean, he talked about a ton of stuff that you had brought up with me, and I know you've written about um, over at allchgo.com with Ryan Herrera, our guy. And so what what stood out from that interview? Was there anything that he offered up on, on your questions or otherwise that it was enlightening to hear or, um, you know, gratifying to hear or kind of justified concerns or thoughts that you had throughout the season? What was your kind of thought process listening to all of this? Oof. Well, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different takeaways. Let's just start with the first like big one, then, then we can move on. But for, for me, I'm always curious what the difference is between the public data sphere and the proprietary private data sphere that they, that they have, right? So he alluded to it. And one of my questions that uh, I think Luke and everyone was laughing yeah. at me about, but that was a fair, that was a fair it, question. This was, that was really totally funny. Fair. And I, <laughs> before you continue, like the way that yeah. Luke delivered that, what I yeah. was dying, I, just yeah, unbelievable. Well, radio or whatever we call i guess yeah. they were on well, youtube but a little bit of both but the presenting a question <laughs> to tommy hadavi in a way uh hey we don't understand what this means but brendan does and i'm hoping that you do yeah. I, just perfect just absolutely perfect yeah well when luke started reading off my question because i sent this through slack and I sent that question at like midnight. And so I'm a, I'm a little like dazed probably when I'm texting Luke that. I'm like, oh my God, hopefully I didn't say anything stupid as he's reading it off. But I think the question came through and really the question was, what is the difference between you know the StatCast data that I have access to, that, that I talk a lot about on this podcast, I run numbers on, tweet about, I'll make all my figures on, my graphs on. What's the difference between what I'm using and then what's being used by the Cubs? And is there a certain trend towards new data types because a lot of the public data that myself and other fans and other data scientists have and like legit data scientists have access to they they make these machine learning algorithms you know they were laughing about that but it seems like almost the optimal peak amount of value has already been extracted by it like we we know what makes a pitch good based on the data that you can go on baseball savant so what's next and 
He was giving insight to all the new like, tracking data that's being available, uh, talking about new models that's being made. Can't delve too much into the detail, but that just signals that there's continuous updating on their predictions. And I think it was really interesting too how he pointed out like they just hired what they call like a baseball scientist. Uh, they made that name up, by the way, but it's kind of funny. Uh, so they, they hired this baseball scientist. And a lot of it is like the biokinesiology and how do you implement some of the new um, you know, tech that they're testing out on, on, on movements, probably within house, to then predict outcomes, predict pitch type outcomes and results. I thought that was interesting. We'll never know like what actually is the most important factors from that end. But maybe, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, that type of data gets released to the public. Maybe, you know, StatCast goes through different iterations. But generally, before we move on here, I thought that was really interesting. In the way, like the most impressive part about Tommy in this interview was that you can talk about those higher level analytics, but he brings it down to like a human level where there's limitations in some of those models. Like you can't just assume, and he made this example uh, with Stroman, but you just can't assume that because data says that his four seam is going to play up, that it actually is going to happen because then the pitcher has to feel comfortable with the pitch. He's a you know human being. He has to be confident in his ability to locate it. It's There's so many different factors. So the, the ability to recognize the limitations of those stats, which if I'm going to give a little criticism to like the stat community, a lot of that is not really discussed. Uh, I thought it was really impressive that Tommy was able to kind of break that dichotomy sometimes that you see between these two different types of sides in a really open-minded way. I thought that was very impressive. Yeah. And well, and like some inside baseball for you, I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't make fun of you for this. Um, what? but when, so like Brendan, you know, submits some questions to, to get asked to Tommy and, you know, there there was some discussion of like, okay, could you dumb that down a little bit for us? Like, so that we understand okay. what we're asking, right? Because Brendan has a way of asking, <laughs> you wrote the question for really only Tommy to understand. Even, even <laughs> I, like, I was like, I don't. Am I talking to anyone else though? I mean, I'm going to ask the was, question the way it should be asked. a fair response from the group. Like, yeah. hey, could you clarify like what this means so that we don't have absolutely no clue? And Brendan sends a clarification that is equally as confusing I didn't as the so. first as the first version. Um, so yeah, I, I thought well, that was whatever. I gotta I gotta work on that. I guess I thought I thought it was pretty easily understandable. I think I think ninety nine percent of our listeners would understand that too. But um, you've conditioned them yeah. well. I have conditioned yeah. them well, so that that was that was fun to see, and I you know I hope we learn more about the process. Uh, I know a few pitching coaches in in baseball, so I kind of understand what he's coming from. I've seen some of like other teams' databases and whatnot, so I can I can at least ensure a lot of listeners and everything that these types of like software like engineers and all these like data scientists, like what they actually produce is is really mind boggling. It's like beyond what you expect and what you see from like baseball savants. Like baseball savant turned up like ten octaves on on the audio volume. It's it's, it's crazy what you see. Yeah, and I one line in particular that I really liked uh, from Tommy was talking about like how smart some of the people are and and the data that they have being at the at the forefront or whatever and he he said something to the effect of and it should be we're the Chicago Cubs yeah 
I, I love, love that. that line. And, yeah. you know, of course, like, it's it's impossible for any of us to really say which team is at the forefront or who's doing X, Y, or Z better. You know, you can look at results and stuff like that, but all of that ebbs and flows so much. The different paradigms right. of how these things work change all the time. But I, I just remember, like, in the earlier years of, of you and I doing this podcast, like we spent a lot of time toward the, you know, the, the, the few years after the Cubs won the World Series in 2016. World Series, correct, yes. Um, you know, kind of wondering, like, were they at the forefront of this stuff, right? And like something that came up a lot was, you know, watching the Pirates or Reds have eight guys come out of their bullpen throwing 100 miles an hour. And at the time, you know, the Cubs are drafting guys that throw 91 miles an hour, right? And just wondering, like, are, are they missing stuff? And, you know, you look at, like, the launch angle revolution, and you're watching, you know, the Dodgers pick up Justin Turner off the trash heap or Max Muncie off of his couch and turning them into, you know, all-stars and stuff. And you're kind of like, well, does this happen for the Cubs? Like, why doesn't this happen for the Cubs? And, it's it, that's all a, a a long-winded way of saying like to to see the results that we have seen from the Cubs pitching infrastructure since so many of the changes were implemented. You look at a year like last year where you see guys like Justin Steele take those steps and Hayden Wisniewski come mm-hmm. over to the organization and get called up and dazzle in the time that he was here, et cetera, et cetera, right? Then you you pair that with the stuff that you're hearing from Tommy Hadovy. And again, it, it's it's hard to judge this stuff, but it's it's nice to be on the other side of that where i think from what we can observe and what we can know it does feel like they are at the forefront of this stuff and when their pitching coach comes on somehow brendan our podcast feed right yes and says we're the chicago cubs we should have the smartest people we should have the best data we should have the best you know biomechanics department or whatever it is you believe him and you're like yeah it it kind of looks like you do and like i i can't judge that but i i do feel that i feel like that's true yeah and it it, it should be true and you're seeing the results from it but it, it's beyond just like the data side of it like that's important that's going to maybe help with the foundation to work from but it's how you communicate that it's how you communicate what makes a player better what changes are necessary and then the execution of it and he was asked by by our guy ryan like you were he asked tommy you were there when madden was there what's the difference between now and during like the madden uh uh regime and he just said straight up quote cohesiveness across the entire organization where you're talking about you know Craig Breslow you're talking about the new pitching coordinators you're talking about you know Moscow so now you know Hadebe is leading the charge there and getting more integration in the front office there's cohesiveness there and it's the ability to translate some of the new models and data that that are being produced and you know uh, Ivy their their software but using that in a way that's actually leading to results. And you're doing that from multiple levels and you're going through that iteration process much faster, which is why you're seeing guys kind of rapidly accelerate. You're seeing guys like Justin Steele accelerate and Keegan Thompson develop more pitch types and the bullpen. Brandon Hughes becoming a guy who was on no one's radar two years ago. Jeremiah Estrada coming through the system pretty fast. Like Those are the tangible effects of having one, the data side that is quite uh, clearly on par with the entire league, but two, having the personalities and the actual people 
distilling that information to players in a really effective, fast way. That is rare. And the, the data side, you can you can get that from so many people these days. It's how you communicate that. I think that's where that's where the Cubs are at the forefront. It's those types of personalities and those people at, at charge there. All right. So a quick break here from our sponsors, and we'll get back to Tommy Hadovy. I do want to talk about Justin Steele after this, Corey. So uh, there's a John Lester thing there, and I think uh, that really caught my attention. I'm but a quick break here from. I know. I, that's why I was saying it. A uh, quick break here from Shady Rays. So they never understood why sunglasses were so expensive. They went out to change that. You don't have to break the bank for quality sunglasses this fall because our friends at Shady Rays have you covered. Shady Rays are premium polarized shades featuring world-class optical clarity, substantial durability, and styles cater to everyone in every lifestyle. The best part about Shady Rays is they have the most insane protection program in all of eyewear. Lost or broken replacements. If you lose or break your shades on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. If you drop them in the lake, off a cliff, anything like that, they will replace them. But even with that strong of a protection program, they still manage to make quality that I can tell you holding in my hand seems just as good as any other expensive pair that I've ever worn. Shady Rays customers seem to agree with over 200,000 five-star reviews. Shady Rays also provides 10 meals to fight hunger in America with every order placed and have donated over 20 million meals to date. They stand behind their product and told our team that if anyone has a problem, they throw profit out the window and do what it takes to get it right. Free returns and exchanges. You either love these shades or Shady Rays will pay to ship them back. That's it. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is running their deepest deal of the season. You can use code C CHGO for 50% off two or more pairs at shadyarrays.com. That's buy one, get one free. You can get two pairs for as low as $54. You can redeem this at shadyarrays.com where you can find all their newest and best shades. Second break here is from our sponsor, GameTime. GameTime is the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows if you ever dreamed of sitting in a seat you never thought you could, the 50-yard line, courtside, behind home plate, floor seats at a concert is possible with the Game Time app. The biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the seats you thought you could never buy. You won't find a better deal this season on Bears games, on Bulls games, on Blackhawks games, because this app is created by the fans for the fans, which guarantees the lowest price. If you love CHGO, then you will love Game Time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description. Join over 15 million people who have downloaded the Game Time app and scored the best seats to all your favorite events. All right, Brendan, uh, talk to me about Justin Seal. Okay, so we were talking about this in June, where all of a sudden, John Lester is rumored to have talked, not rumored, actually explicitly reported to have talked to David Ross, Tommy Hadovy, and directly to Justin Steele about his fastball. So before this season even started, one of the interesting trends I was intending to follow early on was his sinker usage, Justin Steele's sinker usage. He was using that a little bit more often in, in September, and my thinking was sinker, up and in, four seam curveball, slider, make yourself a dynamic pitcher with several different pitch types. You know, I like the several different pitch types. Steele went the complete opposite direction. He went exclusively four-seam slider. 
But the more you see why that happened, the more it makes sense. So starting in June, uh, when John Lester was talking to Steele, he basically said, just hammer your fastball, like down, down and in. Like, you know, that's where the money is. And so apparently Tommy was uh, saying to the guys, uh, on the episode that that allowed Steele more of the confidence, more of the willingness to to try that out, and it worked. And what Tommy was saying was that when Steele goes down and in with that cutting fastball, if he misses, then there's still competitive misses. So even if the pitch is not targeted exactly where you want it to be, because his pitch has so much cutting action, right-handed batters just just swing at it and 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 they whiff. And interestingly, it validates what uh, a lot of other discussions have been on, like Twitter, like Greg Zumach and Greg Huss, and and Brian Smith talking about cut rising fastballs. He was saying that other teams are trying to replicate what Steele has naturally that cut rising fastball. So that was a pitch Steele went to more and more as the season went along. He was not the same guy that we saw in September of 2021. That guy is very different. The same way we talk about how Alzali is very different than the guy that we saw in 2019. It's a very different pitcher. He's using what makes him succeed. He's using what makes him unique, and he's doing it at an effective rate. And so by going with more fastballs, having a cut rising fastball that goes up in the zone or having a cutting cutting fastball that goes down and in, they're almost like two unique pitch types. And both are yielding competitive misses that are valuable. And then you wipe someone out with a slider. So I thought that was really interesting, Corey, because for the first time, we're hearing uh, someone from the Cubs actually talk explicitly about what makes Steele unique. And to me, from my point of view, it validates why he went to the sudden extreme two-pitch type uh, repertoire that we saw for most of the season starting uh, around the All-Star break. And it makes sense because those two fastballs, they are unique. And interestingly, which if I were on that episode, I would have asked Tommy about this. It looked as if Steele not only used those pitches more and had success, but those fastballs became better. Like if you look at the Stuff Plus, uh, it jumped almost a standard deviation better than league average. Like he had one of the best foreseen fastballs, Corey, in the league in the second half. Before that, it was average. Right, so that suggests like more confidence. The command was better. I'm sure just by throwing so many more fastballs, he was able to get uh, more effective spin on it. That that is really cool to me, and that's something that was not on my radar going into the season. And you know, you just don't know what you're missing until you actually see it like this. So when these types of extremes happen in the future, whether it be like a two pitch exclusive repertoire that sometimes I'm kind of um, you know, not pleased with. There, there's a reason for it. You can, you can bet on that. Yeah, I mean, the the whole interview was was very fascinating. Um, I mean, John Lester, though, man, he's uh, look what he's doing. Even still providing value, even though he's not with the team directly, I, he wouldn't be he's the legend guy. that he is if not for that. Yeah. I mean, I think that deserves. Like, we don't hear any stories about him calling the Red Sox and helping them. No, no, certainly we don't. not the Nationals. No, we don't. And those are the you know, only what? teams, well, with Oakland, those are the only teams he ever played for. So, I mean, Oakland else. doesn't count, though. That was like, what, two months or whatever? People I know. That. I was making a joke about somebody else, I know. but yeah. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. Like in, you know, three, four years, Lester does the whole Rick Sutcliffe thing and he like joins spring training, you know, in the dugout. I would not be surprised if that happens. 
you know, after the Cubs win their second World Series in, you know, three years? Uh, I don't know, dude. I, I, I no, you don't think I so? Think he wants to be in like a deer stand somewhere drinking. I don't Miller know. Maybe Lights. I don't think he cares. You know, maybe his like, you know, his kids go to college. He gets a little, you know, restless. Wants to go be back with the boys. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know, you, man. You, you just don't want to. I feel like be you optimistic. can't steal that man away from the golf course and hunting or whatever. I mean, Arizona golfing is nice. You know, I'm just saying for like two months to spring training, just go out there. Uh, well, I could see it happening. What we don't need is you waxing poetic about Arizona right now. Um, I mean, it is yeah. beautiful. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Uh, again, check out that interview and, you know, we'll, we'll talk with our guy, Ryan Herrera. And, you know, maybe we can, uh, if it looked like Tommy had a, a very nice, enjoyable experience and, you know, maybe we can uh, set up something for you. Are we done talking about Tommy? Is that uh, it? Did you have more? Yeah, one okay, more thing. Yeah, hit it. One more thing. Yeah. So Keegan Thompson, and then I'll, then I'll stop. You know, I could just for I three hours. That was such a good interview. But the the Keegan Thompson thing was interesting. So there was a the Cubs lost ten games in a row twice this year, didn't they? I think yes. I like they they went on like several like a few really Listen, bad losing streaks. Uh, they've done it so many times in the last <laughs> two years. I genuinely don't remember. I know. But I I'm like forgetting. That is correct. Yes. I'm forgetting. But there was. If you go back, I think we did a YouTube, uh, a live YouTube version of this, but that was like really dark moments, I think, for both of us, because it was like the, it was the lowest point of the season, no doubt about it. And so I'm, of course, going down a rabbit hole, a super negative rabbit hole, and I'm thinking, oh my God, our our current pitchers, even the ones that are succeeding, they're not getting whiffs. Where are the whiffs going to come from? Like Killian's command has escaped them. You know, Strowman was dealing with the COVID fatigue and everything. Like Kendrick's shoulder, I was I was losing my mind. And even though Keegan at the time was having success, the contact rate, the whiff rate was was worse than league average. So now I'm thinking, you know, he's having success. The command is good. The cutter command is awesome. But in the back of my mind, worst case scenario, I'm thinking, is this going to last? Because he needs more whiffs. Interestingly, Tommy Hottavy was saying the same thing. And he was not as negative as me, of course. But he was saying that even though Keegan was having success, there were still discussions of trying to change things up. And he was talking about how it's difficult sometimes to go to a pitcher and be like, hey, you know, you're having success, but we want to change you. I'm pretty sure he used that exact um, phrase. And he was saying that the trust with Hottavy the data side and the players is at an all-time high because what did we see happen? Keegan developed a slider. The whiffs went up. He was willing to try new things and ultimately ended the season with three unique breaking pitches. And that slider, the command needs to be optimized. It's definitely not there yet. It rates below league average. But the stuff alone, the way it moves, is above league average. So I'm curious, once 2020, what is this, 2023? Yeah, once 2023 starts... I'm curious if we see a leap by Keegan. And maybe we're not talking about Keegan as a multi-inning guy. Maybe that type of confidence in the pitch ends up growing to the degree that we saw with Justin Steele. Because again, with Steele, that forcing fastball stuff improved dramatically, like really, really big in the second half where it became one of the better fastballs on Stuff Plus alone because he had the confidence with this. So I'm thinking maybe the same thing can happen for Keegan and we're talking about him in a very different context than what we anticipated. I feel like, and and not that any of that is is wrong, but I, I feel like Tommy Hadovy could sell you anything. He, he could, could sell you on anything. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if he wants to have like, you know, just a re-signed for animal for pitching. Sure. Buy, right. You know? Right. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, what I was going to say is that it was a great interview on Wednesday. Again, check that out. And I, it seemed like Tommy had a nice time. So I, I would, I would hope he has to come back. Yeah. Maybe in the future, he'd be amenable to really, and I've joked about this for years, but like even, even when it, you know, the, the, the crew was just you and I, like I would joke that I would love to get Tommy Hadovy on and I don't even think I would participate in the interview. I think I would intro like I normally do and then just be like, okay, Brendan and Tommy, you're up. Like I don't have have much to add here. Like I'm just going to let you go. So, I mean, that's a dream one day. We'll see if it happens. That that actually does sound like the type of thing that would be, uh, you know, like an exclusive CHGO diehard level there piece of content like a two-hour session <laughs> with with you and Tommy Hadavi that is just I mean it would just be me asking questions just as right? absurdly like, nerdy as you could possibly yeah want. well I mean it, was, it would just be me asking questions like what's behind mm-hmm. the scenes right I'm always curious about what's behind the right. scenes um, it, it so, might be yeah. a lot of One questions day. where his response is I, I can't answer that Brendan you know I can't answer that yeah <laughs> and then I would just I would just say all right off the air when we stop the recording I, just, right. I need to know this was w- before we move on w- was there anything that he said that you felt like personally let's say validated I guess you know you send me a mm. lot of stuff a lot of uh, you know intrigue concerns uh, every every direction of emotion was there anything that he talked about where you kind of had like a I, I don't know like I knew it you know or like I I was right to be you know thinking about that kind of moment yeah I think it was the key okay. example because that was, again that was the lowest point and there was a lot of discussion about him versus Steele that you and I had all throughout the first half of the season yeah. right like do we do we go with Steele in the rotation do we go with Keegan in the rotation and it was a difficult conversation but in the back of my mind that whiff rate was just unsettling for me and I didn't want to you know knock Keegan because he was having so much success but yeah there was concerns about that so the fact that Tommy brought that up I thought was all right you know I'm not crazy at least when it comes to that yeah uh that makes sense so transitioning to just the state of the off season. Um, you know, again, as we're recording this, uh, not much doing for the Cubs. Does that bother you, Brendan? Yeah, does it does. It? Even though, yeah. even though like across the league, not much has really gone on, right? Like some, I need you know, some something. guys have re-signed, but like there isn't a lot of, you know, interesting, crazy activity yet, but it does bother I you. thought, I thought we would get something with the race, you know? like a big time mm-hmm. pitching trade. You know, I was looking at Tyler Glass now. I'm like, all right, you know, he's going to be paid. Was it f- like, I think, I think 15 mil annual average value, whatever Miles it was. Maybe that's, doesn't, doesn't do it for you. No, you know, he's interesting mm-hmm. though. You know, utility guy has some uh, high contact race, a mile of power, some success recently, good age, kind of like a McKinstry 2.0 type situation with the, with the gamble there. But no, like I thought Glass now, I, I kind of sold myself that he would be, be a legitimate option and I like I made myself believe that would have been a good trade for the Cubs but alas did not happen uh yeah I I joked when I was in studio earlier this week uh when we had Greg Huss on the podcast another great interview you can listen to um I don't want to directly compare Greg to Tommy Hadovy but you know two good interviews in a row um but I was joking that you have an uncanny ability to go from like oh the Cubs and Rays might be talking. Tyler Glasnow is interesting to like three hours later, I'm getting texts from you. Like if the Cubs don't get Tyler Glasnow, I am going to jump off the roof of my building, you know, stuff like that. Well, hold on now. 
Do you remember 2018, you know, the Cubs were connected to Darvish? I was like already preemptively worried about Darvish. He was not even on the team yeah. yet. I'm pretty sure I wrote a yeah, blog. Yeah, that's about what I mean. You have like an uncanny yeah. ability to kind of yeah. s- float an idea and then in a very short amount of time be it. as all in on, on the idea as possible. Yeah. So I'm I'm not I, surprised that this glass nothing was uh, A, something you weren't interested in, B, something that you're not going to let go, I assume. Maybe there's still one day. Who is it? I'm already forgetting who it is. Is it Kevin Gossman that you'll never let me (laughs) stop hearing about? This has been such a happy podcast so far. Don't bring up Kevin Gossman right now. See? You guys see what I mean? I was right, I was right about no, that. I, I know, but like you're going to yeah. go to your grave. The Cubs should have signed I Kevin am. Gossman. $88 million for goes, four more folks. years would have been perfect. Here he goes. Don't get Brendan started. Um, oh, that splitter. And he was I, I, you and I talked, especially I think as it was related to Kodai Senga, like the value, I think, in getting things started and having that foundation and you know just making a kind of baseline move that you know, sets the tone a little bit and, and gives you something on the off season. But I, I just don't feel like the action across the league has really gotten to the point where I'm caring about that. Um, you know, I think if we were seeing mm. a ton of significant players coming off the board or tons of major trades that you kind of felt like, ah, the Cubs should have been a part of that. Like, I don't, I don't know that we're really seeing too much of that. So I'm not super... Uh, I I want action, right? Like we were talking about being ready to do the emergency podcast. Like I want this team to make moves. I want them to get better. I want to be feeling better about this team than we have been in the last couple years. And I want that to happen sooner rather than later. But until we start seeing stuff where it's like, man, the Cubs couldn't match that contract or the Cubs wouldn't do that trade, I'm, I'm, trying to be patient i'm trying to be as patient as i can yeah i i mean i'm not worried about it i just want something to talk about sure like I've, I've been yearning for something to talk about I, I i i do think though that once that first move is announced not from the cops but just in in general like once like you know Bogarts right. is announced or Korea, then I will be like, all right, what's going on here? Like, then I will start to freak out a little bit just because, you know, there's one option gone. And, I, you know, I, I was thinking about this the other day. Who knows if it's even true or not, but sometimes things don't work out for front offices and it's not their fault or whatever. They didn't time it up. But I do, I do wonder, like with uh, the Wilson Contreras, Jose Urquidy thing, you know, if that was a last second decision by the Astros that ultimately led Jed no other option where he couldn't go out and trade him because there's just no time left. And that's why he ended up staying on the team for the second half. I do wonder if, you know, in the worst case scenario, that could happen again in a different fashion. But I'm not going to think like that. There's so many other options, so much time left. I just want something to happen as fast and as soon as possible. Just get things yeah, going because the, there's so many moves. The discourse, if a shortstop signs and it is it's not the Cubs, is going to be a mess, a total so mess. So let me, let me like paint a Please picture. Please do. Okay. It's the second week of December. Korea signs with the Giants for eight years, $300 million. Yeah. What In your mind, what is going on? So this is where my, you know, it's, it's like one of those things where you let people see uh, the version of you that you want them to, right? (laughs) You guys on this podcast have heard me say a million times to wait until the off season is over to 
rip into Jed or praise Jed or yell about Tom Ricketts or not yell about whatever, right? Wait till the end. See what the team looks like. In the scenario you painted, I'm panicking. No question. And I'll come on this podcast and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Even Even if Turner and Bogarts and Dansby are all there? You're still panicking? Not because I, uh, un- until they're all gone, I'm going to believe they're going to get one. I really do, right? Yeah. I've said I, mean, so I earnestly I. believe that. I'm not lying. I'm not saying that to like will it into reality. I genuinely think they're going to get one. But that would just kind of trigger the like, oh man, you know, like what now? Like, are they going to get one of these guys? And you know, one goes off the board, right? Then you get into that territory of you can have the best deal. You can offer the most money. You can offer the most years and guys can still say no, right? That's the variable of all of this. We don't believe this to be the case, but like maybe all four of these shortstops just don't want to play for the Cubs. Sometimes it's out of Yeah, they all want to go to warm weather, right? Like who knows, right? I, I don't believe that to be the case, but seeing one of them go, right, would just sort of trigger that like kind of flight or fight response where it's like, oh man, yeah. now I have to be so, like panicking about like everything that anybody <laughs> says about Xander Bogarts because we're putting all right. the eggs in that basket, right? So here's here's my perspective. If all four are available and Xander is the first one to go, I'm going to freak out Okay, more. why? Because it just, everything we've seen from Jed's point of view uh, with the, and it's not saying it's going to happen, but just he hasn't extended someone or signed someone for that massive of a deal, Corey. Okay, yeah. So I my think, okay. you know, so I was like, all right, well, it's Correa or Turner, and both those guys are going to be, you know, 250 minimum by some of their projections. Man, I don't know. Maybe it's going to be Dansby Swanson and, and nothing against Dansby or whatever, but that's just like not the guy I want on this from this group of four guys. So I I would freak out more if, if it were Xander going off the board I, first. Yeah, okay, I, I understand that. I mean... I, you disagree? No, I, I get I get where you're coming from on that. I, I think, um, yeah, it's it's one of those things where like I, I believe in my heart of hearts that this offseason is going to be productive. To what degree, we'll see. Um, and I believe mm-hmm. that they're going to get one of those four big players. Um, but privately i would be like okay well i'm a little you know like i i i don't want to watch like if you if you could tell me now like three of them are gonna sign but the cubs are gonna get the last one don't worry about it just be patient i'd be like okay cool right but like not knowing that it's like yeah it's gonna get a little dicey and and my thing too like kind of the the original point is like the discourse is just gonna be terrible just absolutely terrible if the cut because people a lot of people are just ready to be disappointed ready to be pissed off again at this team and you know part of that is is justified part of it is i think a little um you know doomsday-ish right uh but that's what would happen is people would immediately be like okay you know the giants made a move or you know this team made a move and here are the cubs just sitting there like whenever you're ready jed so we'll see but yeah we'll we'll see all right Break here from our sponsor, FOCO. Chicago, you've already got the best coverage for your favorite team, so get fitted out in the best sports gear around. FOCO has you covered from Soldier Field to the living room, north or south side, with hoodies, slippers, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. Get decked out like DeMar with apparel from the leader in sports merch and collectibles, FOCO. 
Looking for the perfect gift for the football fan in your life? Foco has you covered with hoodies to fight that Lake Michigan breeze. Check out Foco.com or click the link in the description below for all non-presale items. Use code CHGO for 10% off. Second break here from our sponsor, DraftKings. Make every play feel exciting with DraftKings Sportsbook. Justin Fields has been on one, breaking records for the last three weeks here. Very exciting. Uh, You can bet on the Bears this weekend. They are plus three against Atlanta. DraftKings is the official sports betting partner of the NFL and their unbeatable offers. Right now, new customers can make any $5 NFL bet and get $200 free in bets. If your team wins, check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings. Stepped up same game parlay. To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code CHGO to get $200 in free bets. If your team wins, just place a $5 bet on any football game only at DraftKings Sportsbook using code CHGO. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. All right, Brennan. So, you know, kind of just like continuing on on the state of things, um, you know, we continue to hear a lot of similar rumors, but I think one of the more interesting situations to watch is one that we've obviously been watching and kind of preparing for, and that is the Cubs catcher situation. Um, you know, there was rumors that Toronto might be looking to move a catcher. Um, obviously, you know, a lot of that discussion with Tampa Bay, I, just there's a lot going on the rumors of Christian Vasquez, who, you know, just won the World Series uh, with the Astros as a tandem with Martin Maldonado. Um, I, I, you know, I think that's, it's, it, that's going to be one of, I, I would guess, right? If it's a trade, maybe things get interesting. I think the Cubs were mentioned maybe to have been checking in on um, Murphy with Oakland. Um, so there's a lot going on. I I think it has the potential to be, it's a situation to watch, but it may not be like the most exciting resolution, right? But, you know, and especially after listening to Tommy, I, I remain comfortable with the idea that the Cubs would go pitching staff management, right? Over anything else. I, I don't have a problem with that. Um, again, though, that's one of those decisions, you know, to let uh, you know, Contreras decline the qualifying offer and to let him go, you, you got to build the, the team out from there, right? Like I have no issue, you know, Christian Vasquez, for example, and Jan Gomes and, you know, maybe PJ Higgins gets in there a little bit, like that's fine, but you, you better, you know, at that point where, you know, it's like the same thing as everything else. Like Carlos Correa better be playing up the middle on, on that team, right? Like, cause otherwise, yeah this just doesn't work. You know, you're letting, you have to replace the offense that Wilson provided. And I'm okay with the logic. Teams can win the World Series with guys who really manage their pitching staff and get the most out of their pitching staff, but you have to make the moves elsewhere. So that's like the the Cubs catching situation. Like when I'm reading these rumors, it, it is a little bit of like, uh, I kind of have mixed feelings where it's like, okay, this isn't exciting, but I get the logic, but I only get the logic if, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah I mean, I get it. I think the two guys on the market right now, Christian Vasquez or Omar Navarez, they're they're similar. Navarez does have Narvaez. better. 
is is it I believe Narvaez? it's Narvaez. Okay. Well, you know, he's just, he's still he Milwaukee was a brewer, brewer, so right, we don't care. Mind. That's true. Yeah. So I don't I don't I intentionally yes, that is true. sometimes intentionally. Yeah. So Navarez, uh, he is one of the better framers in the league. So in 2021, he was the best by Baseball Savant. In 2022, he was seventh best. For Vasquez, slightly better than league average. He's a good framer, not to the tier that Navarez is in, but still good nonetheless. You have to imagine that he's looked upon fondly, given Houston's track record with going out and getting game managers like Maldonado and their ability to develop pitchers, you have to imagine that his skill set reflects well. From a hitting perspective, it's kind of hit or miss. For uh, Omar, he had a 322 Woba in 2021. It went down a lot in 2022 to 269. WRC plus of, of 271 and his expected Woba was basically identical at 268. Now, if you look at Christian Vasquez, the numbers are kind of all over the place as well, where you have some inconsistent years. If you look at 2019 with the Red Sox, his weight on base average was 331, WRC plus 102. If you look at 2020 in a shortened season, WRC plus 114, you look at 2021. I don't know what happened with Boston, but it went down to 76 with a 276 Woba. And then, sorry, 289 Woba. And then with Houston and Boston last season, weight on base average is about league average at 99. Uh, it was uh, WS plus of 99, rather, and his weight on base average was 312. So you do get this like variability by both these guys and their offensive profile. So I don't know how to think about that. Both their projections by zip offensively are essentially identical below league average guys. Uh, WRC plus is around 90 to 95. So it, guys, it, it just depends on like how comfortable you are with their ability to call games. Uh, maybe it makes more sense to go with Narvaez because he's seen Cubs pitchers more. I know it sounds weird to say, but he's just seen them more. So he may be more familiar with their stuff. And that learning curve may be able to go faster and you can iterate faster in spring training as a result, especially if you're going to be you know, a 50% guy with Jan Gomes and PJ Higgins. Maybe that makes the most sense, but I would be fine with either one because I think if you're projecting either one out, there's essentially little difference. It just depends on how the Cubs perceive it, each guy to call their games for their pitchers. Yeah. So I, I think that, you know, of course is one of the situations to monitor um, in addition to, to the big fish, but that is a position like we just know the Cubs are going to address it in some way. Um, and I mean, what about, so we never talk about this. And I, I, I mean, we, sometimes we do, it's likely Wilson does not come back, right? But like, I'm still not. I don't know if I would even use get... the word likely. I think there's a stronger word than that. Man, I just we'll see what the market shapes up to be. But like, I'm not saying it's likely. Not even greater than 50 percent chance. Maybe like a 10 percent chance. But I can see a situation where the market doesn't shape up for the Cubs, and there's like a mutual understanding of his catching time, money involved. The market doesn't would work shape up out. for the Cubs or him. Both. Mm. Maybe they miss out on someone in first sure. base. Maybe Abreu goes back to the White Sox. I don't know what the situation is. Maybe he goes somewhere else, right? You don't want to go out and get Trey Mancini. You're, you're stuck with no one at first base. You have a conversation with Wilson. Hey, you're going to catch you know, 30% of the time. Jan is older. We may rely on you to be the bulk guy, but you're also going to be shifting to first base. 
and he, by the way, here's seventy million dollars. I could see that working out for both sides, Corey. I think it's not the primary target, but until we see how the market shapes out, we do know it's unpredictable at times. I don't think it's like a zero percent chance. I think if anyone understands Wilson, it's the Cubs and what his limitations are. And if there's any team to have success with, with him behind the plate, it is the Cubs. So I could see it working out. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't think it happens. I'm just saying. No, I mean I I get it, and you know we explored this kind of logic around the trade deadline, and you know as that was kind of becoming clearer that that was going to be the resolution there. I mean, I think they messed up the trade deadline. Yeah, I I I think that like I just feel like if the organization were particularly interested, they would have visited this at some other point. And I think at this point, you know, kind of like it it sort of felt with Anthony re-signing in New York, like it's a great situation for him. He likes it there. Um, You know, there's a lot of things that make sense about that, just how he fits in with that team, et cetera. You know, it just, it, it, even though I, you know, sort of joked about it and um, obviously I was interested in a reunion, um, but it always had the feel of like, you know, you, you close the book, right? And like he has moved on to something else, right? And I kind of get that vibe from Wilson. Like I don't I don't think I think he understands the business and how things have played out, but I I don't think he likes it. Um and I think I mean you know, he look, may not he may not like his sure, own market yes, though. It, it, the markets, the offers, anything is always possible, right? You never say never. Um he loves the the city, the fans, the team. I just, I, I do think like, I think he's looking elsewhere. I, I, I don't think he, I don't yeah. think he appreciates not being appreciated in the way that he wanted to be uh, by the organization. And so I think he's going to seek that elsewhere. If things don't materialize, I, sure. Like a lot of things make sense. You know, the Cubs have a lot of holes to fill. So a lot of things make sense for this team. But that one, I, I don't see, I'm not going to, hang any hope on on that or yeah i mean a hope is not you know sure just in my mind yeah but i'm yeah, i'm I not I, i'm not even entertaining it i think quite to to the degree that so you're giving it like a hundred percent chance he's gone i would i don't think i would put a hundred percent on anything yeah. in my life but um <laughs> yeah i i i don't see it i i just don't see it um i i do want to get your thought um on a on a particular thing and it, it was uh over on marquee i i i intend i i i still am so fascinated by this shortstop situation is you know we'll we'll wrap up the podcast shortly here um but i'm fascinated by it partly because you have a segment of cubs fans and even some writers and, and things like that who are just very pessimistic you know they're not going to go big years they're not going to do this they're not going to do that and a lot of people so skeptical that they're even going to think about getting one of these shortstops. But then, like, you, you look at all of the stuff that we've talked about and, and Luke and Cody and Ryan have talked about so much, the, the different media appearances, the different quotes, the different allusions to things by so many members of this organization. And one of the things that still fascinates me, right, as, as we wait to see what ultimately is the case. Um, Marquis has this show, The Reporters, that Sahadev Sharma was on, uh, amongst others. And 
they're talking about this, right? And a couple of the predictions that Sahadev uh, from The Athletic laid out were that he doesn't think any of those shortstops get more than seven years. He doesn't see the market materializing. They were asked for bold predictions, right? But then he, you know, also says like, I see the Cubs getting Carlos Correa. I think they're going to get Carlos Correa. And one of the things, Brendan, I remain so fascinated about with how much pessimism is still out there that the Cubs are going to give out a big contract, even if it was on their terms, like less than seven years or something like that. This is on marquee, right? Like the the thing that I can't wrap my head around is if they weren't going to do this, right? And again, there's variables. The guys have to choose to come here. They have to decide to sign the contract and be a Chicago Cub. But like, if they weren't going to spend money and they weren't going to do this, why would Marquis allow this on their their network? It hasn't made Sometimes. sense to me for this entire, even going back to the trade deadline and all this stuff. There was just, they had Ken Rosenthal on to say they're going to get a shortstop, Right. JP yeah. Morosi is everywhere saying it, but like now you have a, a beat writer on your controlled network saying, I think the Cubs are going to get Carlos Correa. It doesn't mean it happens, but why on earth would they allow this kind of discourse if they weren't seriously trying to make something happen? Yeah, I, you can have every intention in the world to make it happen until you actually see it executed. I think fans are going to be sure. skeptical. Listen, the last three years, man, Bro, I, I, I get it, jaded, right? I get it. You know? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I guess deep, if on my worst day, on my very worst day, like if they end up not getting one of these guys, I'll be devastated. But like, you know, will I be 100% surprised? I'll be surprised, but like... I'll, you know, I, maybe there's a side of me that wouldn't be surprised for whatever well, we'll reason. Be here maybe to, I would you know, be able to justify this. So we'll be oh here talking God. about it no matter what. Dude, if they don't sign one of those short stops, oh my God, I am going to, what is that signal that happens? That we have to do We're an explicit dead. episode, I think. Uh, that might be, yeah, that would be, that would be yeah. brutal. But now, now I'm thinking, you know what? Like, maybe, like, what would what would have to happen for them to not sign four short stops or one of those four short stops? Like, may, and this is where I'm going right now. This is bad. But maybe these like injuries to Brennan and Canario are like so bad now. Like they're thinking like, oh, you know, no, the dude, that's the opposite. Year. We've talked about this. I, that that I know, line know, of I'm thinking, thinking doesn't make I'm just any trying sense. to justify why I'm just justifying why. No, 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 no I don't like this. You're you're veering much more ne- negative than I I wanted to well, go. This is this is this what is what we sometimes. do, but. Uh, yeah. No, I, I, I don't think so. Again, like, look, I, you know, I, I always, I, like, we say this all the time. Like, all we want is for the team to be good. Like, you, there's six years of audio at certain points. I'm sure it, it amounts to hours of us complaining that the Cubs didn't spend enough in certain years, that the Ricketts should not have stopped spending. It's pathetic that they don't always spend at the top of the league. Yada, yada. We've said this a million times, right? But like, we're just trying to analyze like the world that we live in and and live in like a, a realistic world and things like that. But I I just, again, I, I just continue to think it's very interesting how much smoke there is in a situation like this. And I, I really do believe that there are going to land one of these players. I I remain un uh unwavered in that belief. I just think it's it's very interesting to hear Dude, if they if they don't sign one of these guys, I'm worried about you. You've never sounded this confident about a potential free agent signing since I've ever known you. 
Well, I mean, like, this is going to be look, a massive letdown. Like, there's a lot happen. of variables. If they, the only, the only thing that would truly, you know, sort of send me down a bad path is if the reason they didn't get them is because they didn't want to spend the money. If guys choose other places, there's nothing you can do, right? Like I'm sure the San Francisco uh, Giants would... wish that John Lester had chosen them, and they should wish that, yeah. right? I, I, they, I, but yeah, you know, it, know. it's I like it, as off. as long, you know, the 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 thing that is clear to me as we still wait for any of this to happen, they're in this. They are in this process. You have Sahadev. You have guys, even like you know Gordon Wittenmeyer saying he believes they're going to get Correa. Like they're in this process. They are talking to these guys. They are trying to make this happen. On what terms? At what level? We're not going to know until it either happens or doesn't happen, right? And happens for somebody else. But they're they're in this. I, I believe that they are going to pull one of those things. And I, I really I just brought that up at the end here because I just continue to be fascinated by the the sort of. Um, the, the way that this team has been talked about for so long and some of the concerns that people have. And, you know, I, we we didn't see this, I don't think, like going into to last year. Like, I just don't think you had discussions on Marquee about them spending big in the offseason, right? Like, I just, you, you, it, it's a show called The Reporters. You can't tell them what to say, but Actually, I think they might have done that, and I think they got in trouble yeah, for that. Um, yeah, I think you can. <laughs> they tried, but you can't do that, right? You're going to get in trouble for that. Like, I, there's just, you're letting so many people on the air, like, to what? Disappoint your fans? Like, who does that serve? And, like, look, the organization has done some stupid stuff. I wouldn't put it past them to a degree, but it's, it, they're going to get one of them. They, they will. They just will. We have All to right, think positively, Corey. Brendan. I know it's against both of our natures, really. But, yeah. So I I think that's where things are. We kind of continue to wait, right? And I, uh, as we talked about, I it is a test of, of the patience, I think, specifically because the Cubs have so much that we want them to do, you know, to get to a place where we truly feel like they're competitive there's a lot to do and a, and a lot of holes to fill and a lot of moves to make and getting a, a little antsy here, but, um, stuff will come, right? The, you know, the, the off season has to get cooking at some point. So, um, hopefully that is soon and hopefully we have a lot to talk about and we can do some emergency podcasts and yell and scream and be very excited about the future of the Chicago Cubs. Um, so with that, uh, reminder again, as you are listening to this, if it's early Friday morning, uh, the CHGO Blackhawks crew has Marion Hosa in studio on Friday. So be sure to check out their episode. I believe they will be live on YouTube at 11 a.m. Central Time with Marion Hosa. Uh, so that is very cool and exciting. As we mentioned at the outset, I invite you to head over to allchgo.com and check out all of the information on the new membership level to become a diehard. Tons of benefits. Uh, It's going to be a really good experience and a really great value, so check that out over at allchgo.com. As always, thank you for supporting CHGO and the CHGO Cubs podcast. Brendan and I together will talk to you again next week and, you know, again, Uh, maybe sooner than that, hopefully sooner than that. I don't know. But the CHGO Cubs crew between all, uh, what is it, six of us uh, are ready to 
discuss big moves. Uh, so you can look forward to that content when something significant happens. As we talked about the other day, Brendan, uh, I, I don't know if you were ready to, but Miles Mastroboni was was not. Uh, I thought about it. Yeah, were you ready to do a, a Miles? Yeah. Um, not quite. Who decides what that threshold is? I don't know. Even back when it was just you and I, I, I did not know what that threshold was. We would just kind of ask each other, um, is this a big enough deal? No? Okay. Um, but hopefully we, hopefully that's clear, right? That's Jed's job. Let's make that clear, right? Of course this is an emergency podcast. It's Carlos Correa, right? Or, or a Nico Horner extension. We'll do that one too. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, that just has throwing been, it out. That there. has been talked about as well. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of things we can just will into existence, right, Brendan? Yeah, Nico extension, so. Carlos Correa, Shohei Otani. How crazy do we want to get? You know, let's not get too crazy. Here. Well, let's be reasonable. Well, with we're manifesting. Request. You know, All that's right. the thing to do now. Or we're manifesting. All right, bring Sammy Sosa back too. Oh, wow. To play or just like <laughs> be a part of the organization? Well, I don't know. We'll see how uh, thin outfield is. You never know these days. Jed did say he wanted to add power to the lineup. There you go. That's one way of doing Can it. Can Sammy still hit it to Waveland? I don't know. They don't let I him back in the building, so we don't know. Uh, um, I'd like to find day. out. Um, all right. Truly getting off the rails here. Uh, but yeah. A- anyway, Brendan and I will be back with you next week. We'll be back Matt Merton, too, where you're at it. Matt Merton. What a name drop. <laughs> what a, Not a name I expected to hear on I, I on always this, wanted to see him in 2015. particular podcast. You do say that a lot. I do. You're not going to get over so that. so cool. Yeah. I'm not. No, it was I, right there. I get it. Um, we'll be back with you next week. Uh, as always, thank you for listening. And as always, go Cubs.